Welcome everyone to Women in Chemicals Quarterly Generation Female live panel on raising children while working. This is part two of our two-part panel. If you've missed part one, please check out the recording of Working Through Pregnancy and Birth on our website. Thank you all for joining us today and supporting Women in Chemicals. My name is Silke and I'm the Finance Chair for WIC. We are very excited for today's panel featuring four incredible women from our community. I just want to quickly walk you through what you can expect from the next hour, and then I will hand it over to our moderator, Christy, to kick things off with the panel discussions. After introduction of our panelists, Christy will moderate a 50-minute discussion touching on the experiences and challenges of balancing working and business travel while raising children prioritizing both professional and familial priorities, and sharing advice for those looking to start a family and maintain their career. We will wrap up today's event with a five-minute discussion with HR professional Lisa of Brandtag, providing a resource overview for this incredible stage of life. Although there will not be a Q&A during today's event, we are excited to share that our panelists will be answering questions on the forum following today's event please head over to our forum at forum.womenandchemicals.com and post your question under the general discussion board on the thread for today's event. I will now hand it over to Caroline to start introducing our panelists. My name is Caroline and I am currently the education chair for Women in Chemicals. I'm pleased to introduce you to today's moderator, Christy. Christy is an inside sales manager at Kenzine LLC, handling the inside sales division throughout the United States. She has had multiple roles in the chemical industry, with the most recent one being in pharmaceutical sales. Christy is fascinated with bringing people together and encouraging their creativity. Her peers selected her as the co-chair for the employee engagement committee at her previous employer. She is also an advocate for diversity and inclusion, making it an easy decision to join Women in Chemicals as one of their advisory board members in 2021. She, is, she was also most recently appointed as VP of membership on the WIC board of directors. She has a master's degree in psychology from Purdue University. Christy currently lives in Sinking Spring, Pennsylvania with her husband, Louis, two sons, Ethan and Nico, and dog, Bruno, and loves doing DIY projects at their house. I'm excited to introduce you to our next panelist, Saskia, a passionate person, mother, and female leader. Her foundation is a lot for people and culture. This led to a master's degree in language science. After an initial professional start in administrative and marketing functions, she joined IST, now Ashland, over 20 years ago in an operations management and supply chain role to then move to a role as global product marketing, a market manager, and currently general manager to the intermediate business line. During this professional journey, she also gave birth to a very special son who has unknowingly been the driving force behind her personal development and professional growth aspirations. Saskia loves to work with different cultures, different personalities, loves to travel the world on a daily basis in a global role. Equally, she is eager to take on new challenges without too much fear. Failure is part of the ride and ultimately as meaningful as successes. 
It's my honor to introduce you to panelist Monica. Monica is a sales and management leader in the chemical distribution industry, balancing professional responsibilities and a busy family life, raising four children who are now teenagers and young adults over the last 20 years. Her passion for science, business, and building relationships brought Monica to the chemical sales industry after completing a BC, BSc degree in biology and chemistry. During her career, she has held both technical sales and business management roles while pursuing continuous learning and completing her MBA. Monica recently joined Acme Hardesty as the regional sales manager for personal care in Canada. She is an active volunteer board member of the Ontario chapter of the Society of Cosmetic Chemists and incoming chair elect for 2023. Over the many years, Monica has strived to find balance in this mom life career journey and is happy to engage with others on such a meaningful topic. Our final panelist today is Aileen, Senior Director for Business Excellence at Univar Solutions. Aileen is a 30 plus year veteran of the chemical distribution industry with a distinguished background of achievements as an individual contributor, as well as commercial and integration leader. Aileen is a passionate promoter of STEM education and workforce development. She serves as a board of trustee for the Chemical Educational Foundation and STEM Lyon with state national industry associations. Aileen is a proud mom to four boys ranging in age from 32 to 14. She resides in Charlotte, NC, and with her two youngest sons, Addison 16 and Peyton 14. She's a veteran of the Gulf War, where she served our country as an Army Quartermaster Officer. Aileen most enjoys time spent with her large extended family. With that, I hand it over to Christy to begin today's discussion. Well, thank you, Silke and Claire and everyone else for being here present today. I'm actually so excited to be the moderator for today's discussion. And as a mom of two boys, I am really looking forward to see how you ladies manage it all, right? And in this industry at that, um, which can be a little challenging or a lot, I should say. So you, I mean, Aileen, four kids and also Monica. I mean, it blows my mind already. I know when I first started, we said, okay, we'll have a family of five. And we had one and said, okay, he cannot be lonely. We'll have one more. And that's it. So I admire you already <laughs> um, for that. And Aileen, uh, one of the first questions I want to obviously ask you, and before we go even any further, thank you for your service, by the way. Yeah, what a great intro. Yes. So um, how have your personal responsibilities affected your professional responsibilities after having children? That's a great question. And for my journey, my story starts with um, a, a commitment to my career for many, many years. And I married late in life. Uh, so I'd already had a career for 20 plus years in the chemical industry. Um, so when I married, I um, knew that I wanted to have a family soon after. So that was a priority. And I felt like I'd already given back to the industry so much of my time and effort, my friendships and relationships 
um, with my customers and colleagues had really been a priority in my life. And at some point I had to kind of question where I was going and what I wanted. And I knew that I wanted to be a mom and I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. I had had that in my own life. And I have always looked at my mother as being incredible um, and a role model. And I knew that when it came time to getting married and having kids, I wanted my priorities to shift to be able to focus on family. What I didn't think about was whether or not my employer, Universe Solutions, would be creative enough or would even entertain the idea of creating something for me to work part-time. So my assumption was those conversations I was having for myself after I got married and we started um, planning for a family was that there was no way that I could do both, that I could have um, children as well as a career. Because at the time I was in corporate sales, who could have a part-time job as a salesperson? I just couldn't see it. My shortcoming there was that I didn't, I, I, I didn't recognize the um, incredible support and leadership of the organization to come up with something that was beneficial for them as well as for me. So shortly after I gave the big news that I was expecting, and, and I'm just going to pause there for just one moment so much as um, my four children. So two of my children are stepchildren, and I um, became a parent of teenagers uh, before I had toddlers. So when I married my husband, um, our oldest boys were 12 and 14, and the youngest boys now are 14 and 16. So that range is there. So I was a stepmother before I was a, um, a mom to two babies. Uh, so now fast forward, I'm expecting my first child. I tell my organization, my wonderful leader, progressive um, leader and wonderful human being, Kendall Troutman, that I'm expecting my first child and everyone celebrated because I had, I was, you know, 39, I was 40 years old. Um, and so I gave him the news. I said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to work. Uh, my priorities are going to change. And after a day or two, he came back to me and asked me, hey, would you think about this? Um, you know, consider working part-time. And I was like, what? Yeah, but Daba, that never happens. How would that even work? What would it look like? And he says, well, let's figure it out. Let's reach out to the customers. Let's figure out what um, keeping you in the business would look like as you navigate your personal life. And so we came up with an incredible um, structure. And I did that through two pregnancies. And ultimately, when the boys were two and four, the youngest boys were two and four, I wanted that feeling of completely being focused on my family. I wanted to stop straddling those two worlds, two important worlds to me, career and family. I wanted to give 100% energy, 100% of my thinking, my um, my concentration, my focus on my family. So in 2010, I took off for three years and I stayed home and I had incredible time with my four-year and two-year-old. We played lots of games and went to the library and baked chip chip chocolate chip cookies and I played tennis and it was wonderful. And then in 2013, when my youngest was headed off to elementary school, I had that feeling of I needed to contribute back to something beyond just my family life. And so I re-entered the workforce right back to Universe Solutions and um, pursued other opportunities that I could leverage not only my experience from the previous years, but also what I gained 
as far as knowledge about how to uh, manage perfection, right? Or recognize that perfection is something that isn't necessary in order to be successful. So I came back renewed, refreshed, and with a greater appreciation for what really counts and matters. So authenticity, vulnerability, all those things I brought back with me because I was much more confident having had the experience of the first part of my career, having those three years at home, and now coming back as a maybe a slightly different person. That's wonderful, Aileen. First of all, I love the fact that you had the opportunity to to do that. Almost like they say, you can have your cake and eat it too, right? And this is a perfect example. Um, Even like you said, at a later time in life, you know, you almost prepared yourself. You kind of knew what you wanted since the beginning. You wanted to be a mom. And it's interesting listening to you say how um, your husband had those two teenager boys, you did it backwards a little bit, right? I did. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. So how is it with now with your two sons? Do you see everything that is happening? Do you see it coming? I assume, right? Like, Yeah, you know. it's actually been really um, a, a great um, leverage point to go back in time and think about the emotions and the, um, the stuff that teenagers navigate. Uh, so now I have, you know, the second set of teenagers and uh, our older boys are so very present with the younger boys. And so it's um, been an incredible gift to have their um, their participation in their lives. Um, I uh, lost my husband uh, last year. And what we've found is um, through loss, we've actually received so many different gifts. And one of the gifts is that really closeness that has come to the older boys and the little boys. So I'm thankful for all those years where it didn't seem like they were very likable, because uh, sometimes teenagers are like that, <laughs> uh, but they always become something more, right? And that's what I would tell my husband when he would question, what's in it for you when the older boys were 12 and 14? And I said, they're not going to be 12 and 14 forever. Given that you're a great parent, I'm a good parent. These are going to be really solid citizens and and they are and they're great big brothers. So I'm really thankful for that journey, even though it may have felt a little backwards at times. um, It's actually been a great learning experience. That's great. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. And Monica, how about you? Anything to add? Because you also, I mean, with four boy, four kids, um, right. how did the res- person, personal responsibilities affected your professional responsibilities? Was there, like, did you notice that your priorities change since having children? I- yeah, so my story is maybe a little bit on the opposite end. So we did the family, uh, school, and start of career all a little bit at the same time. So all in one, um, you know, in our in our early 20s. Um, and I guess uh, I think the way we got through that was um, being young and having a lot of energy <laughs> to handle, you know, all those different, um, you know, life changes that were happening at the same time. Um, so certainly, you know, kids have always been a part of my, uh, of always been a part of my career. And I think, uh, the biggest thing at the beginning was, you know, trying to find, you know, as we all do trying to find a balance and certainly with, uh, so much going on with young kids in a new career was, um, you know, just having, um, in terms of family planning, a lot of that revolved around, you know, childcare and a lot revolved around having backup plans. And, um, so I learned 
learned really early on to, you know, reach out to others, right. And to, um, you know, build on a, on a community network of, of, you know, of support, which I think is so important. Um, and certainly I think one of the things that, that stood out for me, Aileen, when you were talking was, um, I, I myself in early years was very much a perfectionist and, you know, try to bring down those tendencies now. And, uh, I, for many years now, I go by the good enough principle, I call it, you know, it's good enough. It's good enough at, you know, at, at work, you know, sometimes you don't have everything you need, but there's timelines and deadlines. And just like at home too, right? We do things at the time when we're doing them and we make choices and decisions for our family and our workplace um, with the information that we have. And it's good enough at the time. And it doesn't have to be perfect. And your kids can end, you know, you can have, go through those challenges when they're younger and then when they're teens and they grow up to be, you know, um, you know, wonderful, you know, <laughs> wonderful human beings. My oldest is 25, just became a teacher this year. Um, and I've got, you know, down from 12, 15, 21 and 25. So um, it's been a, it's a great experience, you know, balancing them, but knowing that, you know, it's ebbs and flows, there's highs and lows, and you just go through the process and you do your best at the time. And, and it does, it does all work out in the end, even though it might not seem like it at the moment and you're tired <laughs> and, you know, maybe a little bit overworked, but it all works out. I agree. I agree. Thank you for that, Monica. I actually see a, a theme going on between you and Aileen, that word perfectionism, right? I struggle with that a lot in both my personal and professional life. It's almost like the need to have everything done in, in such a um, particular way that sometimes that's even what exhausts you even the most, right? Sometimes you just have to let certain things go and whatnot. And that's why this question we wanted to ask you, like, how have your priorities changed? Because I know for me, they definitely change. I mean, I remember having my first boy and thinking, oh my goodness, his life is now under my care. You know, he is my priority. There's times, I mean, something as simple as I got to feed him before I myself can even take a shower, right? That's just in a miniature example. Imagining big life decisions. You know, I remember just last year going through um, this craziness with uh, the remains of the pandemic, we were looking for a home. And I remember all of our decisions were based on these boys, you know, perhaps years ago, I would have been, nope, I'm making a decision, boom, boom, boom. Now it's all um, about them. And I think I can speak for all of you, you know, as moms, as parents, we probably put them first on everything that we do, even as soon as we wake up in the morning, who's going to eat breakfast first, you know? So what about you, Saskia? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I've been thinking about these two questions. Well, actually, um, um, I, um, for me, when, when I finished the university, my first priority was uh, a career because I came from a background where my parents um, got a divorce and back then, there weren't a lot of, um, of children with divorced parents, but uh, it also had quite a financial impact on my mom. Um, I mean, we were poor, we were poor. Uh, my brother, uh, myself, my mom. Um, so from that early age, her message to me was, you have to make sure that you go to college, you, you get a degree uh, and make sure that you get a proper job because um, I want my both my 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 son and my daughter, but specifically because at the time um, life for women 
um, was, was, was even more difficult than it is now. So she wanted me to have a career and to be independent. So I came out of university and I was 22 and I was like, I am going to start getting that career. Um, so that was my first priority. Um, and, and at the time also I said, I, I don't want any children. I didn't want to be a parent also because of the background of, uh, of not having an easy uh, family life. But um, yeah, then my, my, uh, at the time, my husband, he was, uh, came from a large family. So he said, I want four. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> we gotta <laughs> find a middle way here. <laughs> Um, so um, we, we got our son and um, after, after nine months, um, we got like a full um, list of, um, of, uh, of extra paperwork. And he, was, um, he came with multiple disabilities, uh, intellectual um, disability, uh, physical um, epilepsy and autism and no manual. There was no manual that came with this wonderful little boy. Um, and did priorities change? Absolutely. I mean, until today, he's 27. He is my one and biggest priority. But at the same time, um, that career is also still a priority because as, as we moved along and um, um, we also got divorced. So I was faced when, when, like 20 years ago, I was a single parent as my mom. I was a single parent and oh hell with a, a child with multiple disabilities. So I was like, I am not going to depend um, on, uh, on, on, uh, on the state, on, on what government is doing for us. I will make sure that when there's going to be a day that I'm no longer there, that his dad's not there. I want my son to have a good life. So that career is still a priority. And I'm blessed, obviously, that I have that career that brings me that financial, or my son, that financial security, and it brings me joy. I have a wonderful job, it brings me joy, and because it gives me joy, he, my son has the best life that, um, that, that we can offer him. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I went from my career is my top priority to, Obviously, my son is my top priority, but to be honest, that career is just also still there. And I don't think that, um, I mean, as long as I don't um, um, hit the jackpot somewhere, um, <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll continue keeping that as a priority. Um, yeah. Well, so that, yeah, that's a bit of, that's a bit of, of, of our background. Thank you for sharing. That is, I was going to say, that is the ultimate goal. Um, it's on my bucket list to win the lottery, the jackpot, <laughs> right? But thank you. For but sharing. I think I st I'd still continue. I, I don't think so. I'm sure that I would continue doing what I do. I just put it aside and I don't know, I build a, a home for um, young people like my son, but I continue to, to do what I'm doing now and, and work. And sometimes I curse um, to try and balance things I, I, I just but then there's other days also just like now then you think like yeah well blessed is the is the is the only word right right no and look at you such a strong woman in navigating all of that I know that your son is 27 years old now as you mentioned but I can only imagine when you first had him having to navigate 
also the new world of trying to get probably the the proper help for him or or yep. right all of that yep. I remember in my previous life I was actually um in the human services field so I know here in the U.S. I'm very familiar with that so I can imagine um how it was for you to try to also do the career give everything that your son needed and back yep. to you, right so. You become very vocal about what you want because right. it's not you that want it. You're doing it for someone else. So exactly. that's the thing that you learn. You, you just go out there and, and even if it's a battle every time again, you go through it because you want, um, yeah, you want to, to, to fight for those people that do not have a voice. Basically, Absolutely. that's it. Absolutely. And I still see you also being very strong, which is great. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I always get passionate. <laughs> yes, which is great. So thank you for sharing with all of us. And now my next question is actually going to be for you, Monica. You know, what has been the most challenging part, speaking of balance, you know, to balance it all, both personal and professional responsibilities? Um, obviously, your career is pretty um, extensive, but and with four kids, how how do you do it all? Yeah, you know, and I think it changes over time, right? So that's that's the number one thing. Um, but uh, certainly, I think that the greatest challenge I would say um, for myself, right at the beginning, I would say, is kind of finding a calm space for myself um, and placing myself as a priority in that as well. I mean, at least some of the time, <laughs> because you know it's important to take care of yourself before you can take care of others, right? Um, and on a day-to-day -day basis, though, you know, overall time management, I mean, that's something that I think we all struggle, uh, we struggle with, and, and having that balance between, you know, the personal and professional life. So, so finding the time um, to also to plan and organize, um, you know, schedules and, uh, you know, the responsibilities, um, even knowing, you know, early on what, what choices to make uh, and what's to, what to plan, what to schedule, um, and just knowing how to get started. And I think, I, you know, I've kind of commonly heard that referred to as, um, you know, the mental load, right, that, that women tend to carry, right, where the, you have those thoughts on both household and workplace responsibilities that run through your mind, you know, all different times of day. Um, for even, for example, you know, simple tasks, right? If you're at work, but you're thinking about your, your you know, an upcoming evening soccer game and, and maybe those snacks that you forgot to, those oranges you forgot to cut up that you got to bring to the game, you know, but then um, at or at night where you're, you know, maybe putting a, a child to sleep and in running over a presentation, you know, in your mind as well for the next day. So I think, you know, some of the challenges is, is that, um, that space of always being present and always thinking and finding the ways to, um, to work through that. Um, and for myself, you know, I think one of the um, uh, ways that I've been able to, um, you know, cope with some of that too, is also being able to share my experiences at work, right? So um, in terms of, you know, speaking uh, to my colleagues and uh, at the workplace, um, about my life as a parent and finding a very, you know, inclusive environment there where you can, you know, share the experience, maybe learn some tips, and then also, um, you know, have a listening ear or sometimes, you know, even get the help that you need, maybe accommodating schedules, especially during, you know, maybe some difficult times. Um, my oldest son uh, was born with a number of medical issues, uh, which were a challenge for about six years or so, required a lot of surgeries, a lot of time uh, in hospital, uh, in a children's hospital. And, um, you know, but being able to have those conversations and 
um, being an advocate, you know, for yourself and for your family and for wanting to do both roles. Um, I think uh, as Aileen mentioned, you know, I was able to have, you know, open conversations. And at the time it was very accommodating, was able to, you know, work from remote settings, <laughs> uh, blessed to be able to do that, you know, while in a hospital, for example, and such. And, and those things, you know, have been several types of examples, you know, along many years, but those are the type of things that have uh, been so great. Um, and having others, you know, in your workplace support you and understand, um, you know, your parental priorities, it can be a big motivator, you know, for excelling in the workplace as well. I mean, when, when you're given those kind of supports, you know, it really makes you want to give your best back as well. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, you know, from that example, you know, which is, you know, a challenging example, but all those, also those times where you want to, you have a great experience that you want to enjoy. I remember an early dance recital of one of my daughters and I had an upcoming business meeting and I was able to do some crazy flight schedule planning, flying over the intended country and back again, but just because it all worked out and I was able to, you know, go to the dance recital, see a smiling face, be present, and then also be able to make the meeting on time, very tired. But, you know, and certainly I put in my best effort because I was so glad that, you know, my employer at the time, too, was able, you know, to accommodate that. And it's a win win for everyone in those situations It you know, helps you bring your best professional self, you know, to work as well when you know that you're being supported in the workplace as well. So a little bit in terms of all of that balance as well. Um, yeah, and I have been blessed with having a hybrid um, works, you know, work um, schedule in a, in a sales environment for, for most of my career. So being able to be present has been um, uh, very helpful, you know, be able to coordinate extracurricular activities. We're a big hockey family up here in Ontario, Canada. So, um, you know, being able to, you know, get to those games whenever we can has been um, really important. And um, but, you know, there's a balance to that, too. So when I'm, you know, on a day to day day basis, I've got some great flexibility and balancing. But then, you know, when I'm away on a business travel, I'm 100 percent unavailable physically. Um, but I would say, you know, over time, especially now, um, staying connected has become so much easier. So, you know, that's something that you know we could take such great advantage in, of. I've um, I've been known to call into doctor's appointments, video calling, you know, <laughs> I'm on a video call with a phone, you know, for a doctor's appointments or, um, you know, just being able to connect with everyone through our family chats remotely or, um, you know, those are all things that, you know, can help with with that balance and that we're so blessed, you know, to have that technology on our side nowadays too. Absolutely. Like, look how seamless it makes it seem, right? Even though you have to double everything behind the scenes, you know, I can totally relate to you when it comes to those activities that you don't ever want to miss, right? That fifth grade graduation or that soccer game that you want to catch that, you know, that goal and little things like that, that I know that for some, it may not seem super significant, but when you become a parent, that's when that's what we were asking earlier on about your priorities. All of those things change. Now all of a sudden a recital is super important rather than your eight o'clock meeting with another <laughs> country, right? So you try to manage it all. And I'm really thankful to hear even for, from you, Monica, as well, how you had the flexibility to um once you decided to have a family, how you were able to have that. I know that I have friends, family members, previous colleagues that 
may not have the flexibility. I mean, they may be on these type of roles outside of the chemical industry, of course, mm-hmm. or maybe, you know, that they may not have the flexibility to say, you know what, I got to leave at two o'clock today. I have an appointment. So it's wonderful to hear how we are evolving and changing, um, but still keeping in the back of our heads that not everyone has that ability to do that, right? So- mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. And, and, you know, there's other options too. I mean, in, in terms of choices, we've, we're located in an area where we know our kids can walk to school. Like that's a, that's a life choice we made to be able to accommodate and, and have that balance with work schedules. So, you know, there's, there's give and take. Um, but certainly, you know, there are some things that we can, you know, proactively do to, to try to make, um, you know, to try to make that day to day a little bit, a little bit easier as well. Absolutely. I know that you were able to have that flexibility aspect when you started having your kids, but did you notice something different from your colleagues once you became a mom and did they treat you differently? Did they, were they more understanding? I want to say. Um, well, I've always been a mom to my colleagues, but I think, you know, I always, those that know me well know that I have this younger set and this older set of kids. So a 12 and a 15 year old and a 21 and a 25 year old. So um, certainly in going from that, that, <laughs> that change, you know, to having our second set, as we say, yeah, absolutely. I found people were, you know, very understanding of, um, uh, you know, have the, the fact that um, that family was a priority, you know, for myself and and um, that we found ways to incorporate that right into, you know, our work lives. And and uh, as I mentioned, you know, I loved sharing experiences and I felt it found it so helpful, too, from others in the workplace, just to be even uh, be able to talk about, you know, family experiences that might be going on. Um, it was wonderful just to have, you know, that just even that that type of a support, right, where you could just share the excitement of maybe a child who had a who had, you know, something exciting happened the other day, or you were there to witness, you know, like a first walk or whatever it might have been, right? So just to be able to share that, I mean, that doesn't take, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, structure in a workplace, but right, to have that environment where it's so supportive, um, to be able to talk about that during the day, it, it goes a long way as well. Absolutely. Perfect. Thank you for that. Anything on that topic, Saskia? How you balance it all also as well? I mean, you had two yeah. kids as well, so. Yeah, I think it, uh, it in, indeed, it, um, it a lot comes down to the flexibility that your employer um, is, is able and willing to give you. Um, at the same time, it's also, and again, um, you ask um, going out there and asking for it, not insisting, but asking, because sometimes it's, it's when you allow yourself to be vulnerable and to do not misuse your situation, but be vulnerable and open. Um, and I think that makes a, a, a huge difference because in the end, um, most people are either a parent or a caregiver, um, everyone, or, or, or you, your, your managers who's helping out neighbors. I mean, everyone sort of has um, that, that sense of, of understanding most people. I'm, I'm not saying that there's people that do not are not able to get this flexibility, but that has really worked for me to just openly say that, uh, look, I have a problem. I am um, I'm able to do this to give you 
um, all of my time on X days or whatever, but I can't do this or I can't do overtime or um, I can't do weekends or I cannot travel. Just to be open about this and to have those discussions. And, and if it's not working out with, with, the, with, with the manager um, or you, you just don't find the solutions, I've also found that pulling in HR um, also really helps to just to to involve them as a as a sort of a, a, a neutral voice, but to help you find solutions. Um, it's not always we 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 sometimes tend to um, to try and and find a solution within ourselves, and and afraid to to just step out um, out of that circle and that thinking of yeah we need to fix it when we don't always need to fix everything. And that's a very good so, point, right? So yeah. yeah, that's that's worked for me. Um, yes. Open communication, um, also um, a good relationships with um, with uh, colleagues in in HR departments, right. and then obviously um, as you grow a career um, and and you get into certain positions, it makes it easier because at a certain point you do have the flexibility to to adjust schedules to what works for you. Um, but yeah, we don't all. Um, either get there or we don't start in, in such a situation. Everyone starts off, um, um, yeah, well, having to adjust to someone else's schedules. Yes, that is a very good point. And the, the, being open about it and also vocal. Yeah. Uh, sometimes we just assume, you know, what our managers think, think, what we think they're going to say, and it might even be a complete different answer. So very mm -hmm. good input. And Aileen, anything to add? Yeah, I think I appreciate um, the opportunity to to further comment. I I as I listen to Monica's story and Saskia's story and know my own, I think that this panel and you, Christy, as well, is um, we're uh, we're advocates. Um, we have figured out how to uh, manage life. Um, and it's the balance of work and life, but ulti ultimately it's all life, right? Because we we are both employee as well as parent and sister and, um, um, you know, these all these relationships and roles that we play. So we're balancing all of those, uh, which sometimes it's it's just, just so automatic because we've done it for so long. So like one more thing um, to uh, to figure out. But I also want to, comment that not everyone is as um, able to express what they need, right? And advocate for what they need or their family needs. Maybe they're just not as confident in their role or confident in themselves. And so I would hope that, you know, this conversation is just in some part uh, influential that um, it, it can be, you can be an advocate for what you need and um, all conversations are best had with someone else other than having that conversation with yourself, right? And so I pointed to that earlier where I had defined what my company would do when I decided I was going to be a mom. I had already quantified or, or calculated what their response would be, and it was completely different. So that, that takes confidence in kind of rewiring how you think about things. Um, and it also requires maybe a little vulnerability that it doesn't hurt to ask. It doesn't hurt to put yourself out there. But I also want to comment about bias. And um, as a mom that traveled for a significant period of time when her kids were young, and I had this incredible network back behind me at the time, had a nanny, I had my husband, 
um, there were often times when I would, I would be asked, wow, you travel a lot. You have small kids at home, right? And I did have small kids at home, right? Uh, and I left them with this incredible network of support. And my kids genuinely loved uh, my husband as much as they loved me. And I worked really hard to create that support so that I could go off and do work and be away from home. And I would just say that, you know, as um, women, let's be supportive of each other. And even sometimes when we ask each other about travel, um, it's not so much that we're leaving our children, right? It's that we have created this environment of support for our children that's not going to be detrimental to their well-being, their development, or their health, um, and that we've spent a lot of time, you know, making sure that that's tight. And um, I don't want to feel guilty, you know, for traveling um, because it was part of my job and I loved it, but it was definitely not at the um, uh, in any way um, at the expense of my children's happiness or well-being. That's a very, very good comment, Aileen. And I think we can tie this back to the first panel where we were asking, you know, about some of those advice and whatnot. And one of them was, um, I think we all could agree, you as, as the mom, as the parent, you know what is best for your children, right? So yeah. the outside noise, it's kind of, it, it can get you in your head. Yes, it can get super confusing, but ultimately at the end of the day, and those clothes walls you know what is best for your family and you only you know the sacrifices that you're making you know almost like Saskia was mentioning before yes she wants her career that's how we survive why do we work right right to be able to survive and be able to provide uh food at the table so only we know at the end of the day uh what is best for our family and it may look like a different picture from the outsiders, just like that one, that great example, you know, people are probably judging, why are you traveling so much? Shouldn't you be at home taking care of your kids? But right. they probably don't know you had the opportunity to also stay home at some point, right? Right, so, right. It just goes hand in hand. Hand in hand. So yeah. then the last question that I wanted to ask, since we mentioned also traveling, Saskia, you know, what advice um, would you give to someone that wants to start a career and family at the same time, but they may be in a traveling role, you know, how, how would you make that work? Yeah, and, and Eileen touched on that already. Um, it's the magic word, it's network. Um, that's what you need. You need to have a network. And um, um, I don't want to be an advocate <laughs> for getting a divorce, but um, <laughs> <laughs> what... Um, um, because I mean, it's also it, it obviously that's a sad decision. But um, what has really been a game changer also for me was exactly the divorce, our divorce, because um, we got divorced and um, um, we went to counseling after we got divorced because what we uh, wanted to be was the best divorced parents for our son. Um, and, and at the same time, um, my, my ex-husband has an eight to five, but at the same time, I was also like, I need to have that career and I want to travel. Um, so he's, um, um, he's, um, um, yeah, well, he's, he's the main, um, actor in that network, um, because he'll, um, whenever, um, I'm traveling, my son is with him. So we do co-parenting. We have a mom week, we have a dad week. And because my son has autism, 
it's rigid. Mm -hmm. It's mom, dad, and every week is sort of the same. But um, I, I try and organize all of my travel, all of my long working days, video conferences, uh, meetings. I try to do that in the dad week when, when my son's not with me. Um, and when I do have um, um, heavy days or a, a heavy travel schedule, um, in the mom week, then it's my ex-husband um, who, who, uh, who takes over. And we also literally, we live like four minutes of a walk uh, from one another. So we really focused it all on the network. Um, I, have a, uh, I have a partner. We have a, a long-term, long uh, a living apart together um, situation. So he's also part of the network. Um, and sometimes the two men, will also make sure that I can do the travel. Um, we have outside uh, people helping us out, like, uh, like babysitters. We, have, we used to have school, now we have a daycare center. So you need to build a network. Um, so that's, that's one, you need to have a network. Um, but then secondly, also structure. Um, what I found, and that's probably for all children, whether they have disabilities or not, whether they're young or old, structure. You need to try and build some structure um, for, for um, yourself, but especially for those staying home um, while you're away on travel. Um, so I, I, I will put together schedules. Um, I will let everyone know where I am, um, what hotels, what flights. It just makes it much more comfortable for yourself, but it, but it makes it also comfortable for for everyone who's waiting for you um, so so that is also equally important and um, and then sometimes yeah well things still crash and it goes and it goes wrong but you also have to have to live with that and I'm going to to throw in a, a really funny story because it's one of my son's favorite stories and um, I remember I was in uh, I was in Spain for a meeting and I would call home and we do we would do FaceTime um, every evening and um, so one evening or the first evening I, I, I do FaceTime and it's like six or seven uh, in the evening so they're all at uh, uh, having dinner so that's my son, my, uh, my partner, and my two stepchildren, uh, because I always forget, but I also have two stepchildren. So. Um, so they're all sitting at the table and everyone's talking, but I can't see my son. So, so I, I asked my, uh, my partner, now let me get the, the, the laptop in front of my son. I want to see him. And he sits there in his pajamas. And I go like, it's 6 p.m. Why are you wearing pajamas? And all of a sudden, every, everyone goes quiet. And then there's this tiny voice saying like, pajamas? And he went to school in his pajamas. <laughs> I found out he went to school in his pajamas. So ever since I, I, I micromanage, you, you, you make sure that like Boy Scouts and, and, and Girl Scouts for Monday, I put everything ready. Tuesday, you put everything ready. Wednesday, everything ready. Also medication, because that also uh, comes into, and that that gives me that feeling of, um, it makes me feel um, I'm able to go and travel and do things without having to worry. Because now I know he's not not going to school all the day in his pajamas. All the medication is there. Um, so those also small things, but that really helps. Um, so yeah, I mean, on the one hand, you're 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 doing a PL and you're a general manager, and then on the other hand, you have children that that wear pajamas to school. And, right. Yeah, well, 
<laughs> this is how you balance it all. I mean, yeah. it goes to show that a mother yeah. or a parent's job is never ending, right? Look it at is never even. ending. To the littlest detail, and it's funny because I do the same thing here at home. <laughs> I will not be able to survive if it were not for my structure and calendar. I mean, yeah. I'm already. So, but yeah, yeah, but indeed, so the so the network, um, the network allows you to build structure, and at the same time, you also need the flexibility, the flexibility from your from your employee, flexibility from your team. So it's it's really balancing all of that out. And again, it doesn't always work, and sometimes you'll go crazy or you're you're dead tired at the end of the working week. But sometimes it does, and it's when it all works out, when 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 you see your family enjoying themselves when you're not there. When, 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 when you come back and they are interested to hear your stories and your meetings, when you have good results with your team and the organization, that's when you realize that's why I'm doing this for. Because sometimes, not every week, not every month, sometimes it will happen only once a year, but sometimes it's like this. And that's a wonderful feeling. That's what you do it for. Very good. Thank you so much, Saskia. I know that you're talking here and you're mentioning that network, how important, how important it is. And I remember even my oldest is 13, but I remember being pregnant and not knowing what to do because the daycare that I really wanted was um had a nine-month waiting list. And I was literally ready to pop. And that's where my network came into handy, although like my husband and I, we really didn't have any family members here. And it was actually a neighbor who had a daycare right next door. And I had no idea. Yeah. That's when I learned the power of connection and being able to, you know what, get outside of your door and say, hi, you know, we yeah. were there for a couple of months and didn't even know she had a daycare. And she was my lifesaver for my first son, yeah. because I refused to just go into, you know, how we are first time parents, we probably want the best for children, right? And that daycare was not available for God knows how long. So um, she was the one who helped me. And ever since then, it's a look, we just moved, like I said, last year. And it is so important to even say hi to see who's next to you, they might even help you, right? The same thing at work. I know that I have uh, friendships now that we were just colleagues, you know, five, six years ago. Now we are really good friends, you know, or besties as the new lingo suggests, you know, um, and it is so important sometimes to think, yes, you can handle it all, but having that extra hand, I have my yeah. mom here from Dominican Republic for two months now, and just her making dinner is a weight yes. lifting off my shoulder. You know Definitely. what I mean? So um, take Definitely. advantage of your network for sure. Anything yeah. else that you guys want to add? Yeah. And also I just, just, I mean, the network for venting. I mean, you need that. Yes. Um, you need to be able to vent. Um, so, so that also, I mean, when you try and balance work and, and, and private life, your personal life, your children, don't forget your friends, your social life, or sisters, or, but make sure that you have that ability to vent. I agree. Don't keep it all in, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say regarding network too. It, I mean, I was, I think it's great to get creative with your network, you know, like it, we can all, you know, you can outsource certain tasks and, and, and pay for them, whether it be housekeeping or some, or some cooking or something like that. But, you know, we all have to be, you know, conscious of funds, especially nowadays. 
And I think, you know, bartering with neighbors and trading day, you know, trading times where you can watch each other's kids and, and, you know, carpooling. And um, like you were saying, you know, just the, the support of, of the neighbors around you, it's such a convenience actually, you know, you know, just from location wise too. Um, that's such, I think, an untapped resource too. And, and get out there and, and you know, make, and you got to sometimes put yourself out there, right? So to take the initiative to strike up a conversation at the local park, or, you know, maybe you have that one day where you can pick up someone from school and, and meet some other, you know, um, you know, parents from the classroom. But, you know, those are great support systems, um, you know, that you can bring into your fold, especially if maybe family and friends are, are not as available as well. Absolutely, which I think many of us go through that and we don't even realize it. And then it's like, oh, what now? What do you do? So this is wonderful. Anything to add, Aileen? I know that we are at the couple more minutes left and then we have to hand it off to HR. So yeah. Just taking and um, going a bit further on the thread of connections and your network or the village. Um, for me, I and it probably came from just years of being very independent and on my own. Um, even from a child's standpoint, I was that way. I'm one of five kids, um, but I was always very independent. And so connecting or relying on others to help me, it was like, I don't do that. That's not me. Um, and it was like a sign of like, you know, I don't really need to do that because it's, maybe it's a weakness or maybe it's because I really don't um, want to connect in a way that shows you know, that I need help. Um, I should be like, I've got it all figured out kind of thing. And what happens, you know, um, when you lose a spouse, like I did, is you're confronted with the reality of your life changes instantly. And whatever network you had in the past no longer has that anchor, um, of your spouse. And so, um, as much as I did not want to connect with my uh, neighborhood, I mean, it was always fine to be like that neighbor that, hey, you know, if you need to borrow something, that's great. But I needed to connect with them uh, in a way that I'd never connected before. And um, it's interesting because my husband was always like, he was like the mayor of the neighborhood. Everyone knew him and loved him and all that. And I was always kind of the girl that went off to work. And um and wasn't as present. And so all of a sudden now um, I don't have him and I, I needed help because I have no family here in the Charlotte area. Um, and it was uncomfortable because also I was the widow and um, I was having to say, I need your help. But what is so overwhelmingly clear, and I would be the first one to do this as well, is they wanted to help. Mm -hmm. People want to help you. Um, they want to be a part of your life to the extent that they don't want anyone to struggle. And that's you know, typically what happens in the relationships that we're developing with our neighbors is more often than not, there's people that are just waiting to be asked for help. Or in my situation, they recognized that I wasn't going to ask for help, but they were going to help. And so I had people lean in and say, I'm taking your kids to school and I'm coming at seven o'clock in the morning. And oh, I was yeah. like, whoo, that's a relief. Oh yeah. my gosh. Um, so it's about a you know, a vulnerability, letting go of that and letting go of you know how you've defined, I've got this all worked out. But that's not just, I mean, that's us as women, I think, in large part, is we're always trying to figure out how to get it all done. And um, that could go back to the perfectionism all over again. But it's also kind of like a, a badge of honor 
to say, I've got this all figured out and I don't need any help. In reality, it is a gift and you shouldn't turn away gifts, right? Because those people, I would be the first person to show up to say, I would be more than glad to do that or let me help you. So it's really about um, being authentic and recognizing that, you know, if someone's offering you a gift of that network, take it because um, you need it and they may need it in return. So by, you know, having that relationship, you can reciprocate and, um, and also um, create the understanding, you know, with our, within our families that we're stronger when we rely on each other. Absolutely. And thank you all for those words. Honestly, um, it goes to show that it doesn't matter. Look in any part of the U.S., the world, um, having that strong network can definitely take your places. I know that um, even now, just my sister and I are the only ones here, but we still we're still building our network of friendships or neighbors around the area to to help each other out, because it is a lonely place when you don't have that. And why struggle? Just like you said, Aileen, when mm -hmm. you have someone next door that is readily and willing to help, you just have to ask or sometimes yeah. just raise your hand. Right. Right. But I do want to say thank you all for such wonderful advice, for sharing your stories with with us with this community i'm sure that um here in the audience we have a lot of parents that are going through similar circumstances as we are in having three different perspectives or three and a half including me right um on how to navigate this industry and in the whole workforce it's going to hopefully uh, give the energy that maybe an aspiring parent needed today, right? So they got it from us. And um, you ladies are showing that it is possible. We can do it. It is not easy, right, Saskia, right, Monica and Aileen, but we can totally do it. So long as you build that network and have that ability to speak up as well and, and, and just make it work. So we can be super women. So now I'm going to pass it on to... Um, Carolyn, maybe? It's me. Hi, Christy. Hi. <laughs> um, perfect. Okay, so as we jump into our resource overview, I just want to introduce who's going to be talking to us today. Um, so with us today, we have Lisa Tyfair, Senior Director of HR at Brentag North America. Um, and with over two decades of experience in coaching employees at Fortune 500 companies on how to effectively bring their whole selves to work, balancing both home and work priorities, Lisa can attest there is no best solution for everyone. Whether selling candy bars for Mars Inc., working in the Quaker Oats factory for PepsiCo, or driving transport trucks for Brentag, each employee and parent will find their own path. Sharing ideas and hearing hacks from other parents is key. So with that, I will hand it over to Lisa to start our resource overview. Okay, thank you so much. Wow, they, I, I think probably everyone on the call can attest to how meaningful these stories are, are and just already build a sense of community and these shared life hacks, right? So, uh, you know, I like the phrase, it takes a village. I heard many of you say it. I also think sometimes it takes a vineyard to complement that vi village and get us all through it. But um, in terms of networking, you might be thinking, okay, so this HR gal, she's, you know, she's been through 20 years of this. She's seen it all. I've seen so many different variety of stories and there's really no one size fits all in terms of resources, right? But I'm going to kind of bucket them 
into three areas. And I, I said it a little bit differently on the slide here, but you made me think of it in a different way from all of your stories. So the first one is around self-advocacy. The second is around your network and surrounding yourself with cheerleaders. And then going broader, the third one is really formal resources, which I'll, I'll speak to. And I know we're at the top of the hour, so I'll be quick. The first one around self-advocacy, don't sell yourself short, right? There are power in words, power in being vulnerable and asking for help, whether that's from your manager or someone else. And sometimes it's difficult to be your own advocate. And so others can do that for you. But I'll tell you just a quick little story. Um, 20, almost 20 years ago, when I worked for PepsiCo, there was a woman who had asked to work part-time. Um, they forged through, she worked part-time. It wasn't the best setup. I think all of us are afraid of a scenario where you ask to work part-time hours, you're paid 50%, but you're not working 50%, right? Now comes full circle where I think more and more organizations are open or forced to be open with flexible work arrangements because of the world that the pandemic created for us, where that flexibility just ends up being um, more normalized. And it's up to each of us and our collective voices to help workplaces, employers, and the community at large understand how many different needs there are. Personally, I have no choice, no um, children myself, but I've got two stepsons, I've got a granddaughter, I've got nieces and nephews. And I think in the workplace, nobody would realize, oh wait, she doesn't have children because it feels like she's always running off to pick up a kid from soccer practice or take a granddaughter to um, a, you know, a doctor's appointment or that sort of thing. So fortunately, one of, the, one of the blessings of the pandemic is most workplaces have been forced to become a little bit more flexible, right? Regardless of whether it was pioneering 20 years ago to ask for a flexible work schedule. Um, you know, a lot of hockey references. Wayne Gretzky from Canada said, you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. So I really encourage all of you to first and foremost, be your own advocate. Even if you're not comfortable, think of it as you're doing it for others who come after you, right? So that's number one. The second one is surrounding yourself with cheerleaders. A lot of folks on the call called it a, a village or a network and people who can be your champions. Um, I would think, you know, long and hard about this first being your manager and your peer group of folks who can fill in at work um, or even other um, sort of, uh, you know, creative ways to capture the workload in a way that's flexible, but it's resourceful to you. So Zoom and Teams asking for the record button to be pushed and then you get that recording later, you take it at night after your child has gone to bed um, and make sure those cheerleaders are the right people, right? So it's not just about increasing your um, network overall, but also being very choiceful about who's not in your network, who is dragging you down, who is a suck on your time and never creates time or space for you. Are they someone that maybe you need to eliminate consciously from your network because they're just, again, adding more and not or taking more away, but not adding space for you. So it's not just about that um, network overall, but who, who takes away. And then finally, um, the formal resources that are available. Now, I know this is a global call, so I won't go into resources that might be legislated, right, for each of you um, in your country or your province or state 
state, but there are resources like that, including different leave opportunities. I know a lot of folks are, are, are very resistant to ask for leave of absence, but sometimes that's the best thing. One of our first speakers talked about, you know, taking time with their toddlers to bake cookies and do different things and coming up with coming back three years later with a renewed, refreshed and widened perspective and being able to give that back to the workforce. Um, I think that that's amazing. Some of the other formal networks are employee resource groups. If there isn't one in your workplace, think about forming one. Um, a forum like this is very similar to an employee resource group within your own company, right? Where you determine what content will be most effective and impactful. Um, then there are also resources within many larger companies. And if your company doesn't have one, think of whether your company has an industry group that has an EAP or EFAP, so Employee Assistance Program or Employee and Family Assistance Program, because I used to be part of the beer industry and um, I worked for a craft beer company, great company, but we weren't large enough to have a lot of the broader benefits but the Ontario Brewers Association did have something. And so tapping into those 1-800 numbers or going online, Google is your friend, and just saying in, in one of those EAPs or not even within the umbrella of that, um, work-life balance, need help, those sorts of things, you will find a flood of resources, including one that I just found, 20 life hacks to be a better working parent, right? Um, and I think it's about the shared experience and just being open to finding those tools yourself. Thank you for everyone for your time. Thank you so much, Lisa. Um, so just as we wrap up today, just wanna say thank you one more time to Christy for moderating, our panelists, Saskia, Aileen, and Monica, and Lisa for the resource overview. So with that, wanna wish everybody a great day and um, thank you for coming.